0: Todd's singing was always like, it's like a force of nature almost. Just hearing this deep, guttural, primal scream coming out of this skinny kid, you know, was like, how can that sound be coming out of that guy? He went for it, because we figured this is the only chance we get. This is gonna be our album. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often-overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis, i got my brother Quentin with me, as always, and just like us, Q, these guys, the Toadies, they're native Texans. They were out of Dallas, is that right? Fort Worth, or Cowtown, as they call it sometimes, Q. (laughs) Yeah. Not too far from where we grew up, dude. No, not too far, forty-five minutes, you know. But yeah, that was um, that was one of the one of the bandmates of um, of frontman Todd Lewis talking about the sound that would come out of his his mouth when he opened his uh well when he opened his mouth. That's how it goes. <laughs> but uh, just talk about like it, you know if you look up photos of these guys back in the nineties, he was a skinny dude. Uh, but he could he could scream and, and do the 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 guttural um, you know growl of a of a metal artist and stuff like that sometimes a metal vocalist or or your you know fill in the blank like grunge artist right and like you know basically kind of what they were saying like they brought all of their energy into this record that we're going to be talking about today because they thought it was like this is it this is our this is our shot like we're probably not gonna and I'll talk about this a little bit more but like. They didn't think it was going to do anything. They didn't think it was going to go anywhere, you know. So their mindset was, we're in the studio now. We might not ever get this opportunity again. Exactly. So let's just, you know, put it all out there, see what happens. So we're talking about the Toadies and we're talking about their debut record, Rubberneck. Came out in 1994 on Interscope Records. I'm only familiar with the singles. Let's name those off, dude. So there are five singles on this record. Good God! Okay, nope. I only know probably two of them. And you're you're probably familiar with Tyler and Possum Kingdom. That's the yeah, one of the. Yeah, yeah. Possum Kingdom is what sort of skyrocketed their career, but it's Mister Love, Possum Kingdom, Away, Tyler, and Backslider. Possum Kingdom and Tyler, like I said, got a ton of radio play. Possum Kingdom um, is the first one that was played by like a major radio station. It was played by K Rock in L A. And that's what sort of did it. Yeah. That's the song that put them on the map. So, yeah, let's go over this a little bit. So, they, they formed in the, in 89 in, in Texas, Fort Worth. Uh, or Fort Worth, Texas sometimes, you know. You got <laughs> to this the, the state name first. Uh, they met in Fort Worth. They were – several of the band members were working at a record store uh, called uh, S- uh, Sound Warehouse or something like that. Some sort of warehouse, right? Like. CD like I don't know why but CD stores are always named like warehouse you know like CD warehouse uh, but yeah they're they're working at uh, this place called Sound Warehouse off of a Camp Bowie Boulevard and so you know perfect place for a, a band to form right because you've got a bunch of music lovers working at a record store talking about music so all the members of the band worked at this record store I don't think all of them did but um, several of them did. Um, let, let me name the roster and then I'll say I'll kind of talk about the origin here So, Vaden Todd Lewis, he goes by Todd He's the the main guy He's the lead singer uh, Songwriter He does rhythm guitar You've got Daryl Herbert Or Herbert, lead guitar Lisa Umbarger Bass Mark Reznicek on drums So, of those four It was Lewis, Umbarger, and another guy was actually their original drummer named Charles Mooney met at this place called Sound Warehouse where they all worked. So from what I have heard, bass player Lisa, she's like, I, I, I don't even know how to play. I don't even know how to play bass. And Todd was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll teach you. Which I thought was cool because it's like, that's kind of how it is with rock music. Um, you don't have to be a seasoned, classically trained person just pick up a bass and start plugging, you know? We'll figure it out as we go along, you know? Start slapping? When they when they formed... Yeah, exactly. Just start slapping, keep in pace with the drummer, and you're good to go. But when they formed, they were originally doing covers. They were a cover band, and they would play local shows at Fort Worth venues, and then Todd started writing his own stuff. He, he was influenced by Talking Heads, the Sex Pistols, and... The Pixies, which I thought was a really interesting mix. Oh yeah, right? I can hear that. And you know, when I hear that he's was listening to a lot of Talking Heads back then, like you can hear a little bit of David Byrne, just a hint of that kind of stuff. That kind of um, a little bit in his vocal delivery. In the vocal delivery, like I said earlier, he's got a range on him. He 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 will do he will deliver line. If you think about Tyler, there's not much um, guttural screaming in there. No. But then you'll listen to some of his other songs like Quitter, which is one of the songs we're going to play, where it's like a guttural, almost heavy metal vocal sound. So he had a, a, quite the range on him, which really kind of contributed to the unique sound that, that Toadies was, was bringing to the, the landscape of rock music back then. So anyway, he starts writing his own music and then he sort of brings it to the – he brings like a demo tape to the band um, and then they, they put it on this little EP – On this record label called Grass. And so this EP had Mr. Love and Possum Kingdom on it. And that's what they started taking around to record labels and stuff like that. And it found its way into the hands of this guy named Ray Santamaria. Which was an A&R guy at Interscope. And uh, here's a quote from him. He says, how do I articulate it? It was heavy rock, punkish music with some pop sensibilities in the world of grunge and everything that was happening at that time, what they were doing was very unique. So not entirely similar to presidents of the United States of America, who we talked about last week, they were doing something slightly different than the, than the, the sort of like textbook grunge sound, you know, but I would say with the toadies, they were way closer to grunge than the presidents were. But they were doing some really interesting things as well, like mixing it in there. And, like, one of the things which I thought was this is Todd Lewis speaking, um, the lead singer. He was saying that, like, looking back on it, he heard a lot of Tejas era ZZ Top in there. Nice. The boogie kind of Texas kind of stuff. Cool. And uh, you definitely hear that in um, I Come From the Water, which is um, maybe we'll play a little bit of it just so you can hear that sound but anyway let's play our first clip here dude we're gonna just go right into it here okay let's do it we're gonna go right into it so this is all around the same time too that's that's one cool thing about it presidents drops their debut self-titled what was it 94 95 yeah right same this came out in what 90 94 94 yeah yeah man so it is cool to think about all this stuff happening with with um you know your your proper grunge and then, I mean, and Travis, I know you've been diving deep into the '90s alt rock, yeah, rabbit hole. Just like you, like you said last week, man. Like this '90s really was like the last moment of real creativity and and something different with rock. You're totally right, man. I mean, grunge, grunge was like the last. I mean, you could talk about you could throw shoegaze in there too. Like grunge, and shoegaze seemed like they were the last um, sort of like new movement in rock you know what i mean and that's not necessarily a tragic thing no you know like i love where rock has gone from there i love what is what is like evolved yeah i mean people could say you know maybe like the garage rock post-punk stuff that happened in the 2000s was kind of a unique movement but it was all based on 60s garage rock sound you know what i mean like it was kind of a recycled thing right but anyway all right let's let's play a clip here um I've got a little bit more of the story of how they went on to record the record. Like you know, like I said, they met this guy at Interscope, and basically he said, "We will get some people from the label to come out if you guys can book a gig in L.A." And so they kept pestering the only club that they had heard of at the time in L.A., which was Whiskey A Go Go, which is a very famous club, right? Oh yeah. So they got they got a a show booked there, and then. This guy from Interscope was at the show, signed him on the spot, and that was it. So the way that they describe it, the, the guitar player, Daryl Herbert, described it as uh, like winning the lottery. He said they drove up and down Sunset Boulevard, screaming out the windows of the car, getting drunk,
1: <laughs>
0: having a blast. I mean, think about it. Like you're a band from – just imagine, dude, like you and your friends met at a record store and then – A few months later, you're in LA playing a show at the Whiskey Go Go, and you just got signed to a major label. And you're driving up and down Sunset Boulevard just having a fucking blast. Amazing. I got a lot of clips that I'm going to play from this little mini documentary called Dark Secrets The Stories of Rubberneck. It's a 23 minute documentary. It's showing like behind the scenes footage of them recording it, Uh, video camera footage from Lisa, the bass player, like in the studio. And it's this really like serene location, uh, the studio that they recorded in was in like this um, California like so they're surrounded by like redwoods and stuff like that. This place called Min- Mendocino, California, this remote uh, recording studio was basically like uh, this big ranch style home. Uh, here's Rezacek saying that they uh, they stayed in this cabin surrounded by animals and nature, all these giant redwoods and they're coming from fort worth like concrete jungle just right yeah man right Uh, that's paradise if i'm if i'm ever in a rock band that gets to record a a record that would be like the ideal way to do it you just go disappear in the in the woods for a few weeks with your bandmates floating on cloud nine yeah exactly all right so here's the song our first pick here it's called quitter Was getting some Josh Homme vibes. Really? What part in particular? The uh, getting something right. Yeah. The way he repeated that over and over, it that felt like a Queens of the Stone Age moment. Like the way that Josh would craft a song. Yeah. Yeah. Really digging that. I, it's the first time I've heard that song. Okay. That's uh, so what I was going to ask. You've 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 never listened to this record all the way through? I never. Nope. Dude, this is one of those start to finish just hit fucking play and let it rip i'm kind of surprised that i never went back and listened to this album dude that's homework dude you gotta (laughs) you gotta listen to this uh and report back next week for what you heard so anyway some of the things i love about this song uh i love the i guess you can call it a chorus it sounds like he's almost screaming into a megaphone Mm -hmm. like when he says lover are you happy now yeah quitter uh it sounds like he's talking into a megaphone or something like that but i i just love the delivery on that it's cool um and again like you know his range—you can totally hear it in this song. The way he delivers the verse, and then the uh, the chorus is kind of a screaming. It's obviously about a past lover or something. He's talking about like, uh, you know, well, someone who gave up on him, and yeah, and just like, left. am I supposed to walk away with nothing? Do I convince myself we never happened? Yeah. Um, are you happy now, quitter? You know, what I mean, just some angry young male, you know. Classic rock and roll stuff, dude. Classic. Classic lyrics, Classic. man. Uh, but there's there's a couple of songs on here about uh about heartache, you know? But um so here's here's a little story about this record, a couple of stories. So it seems like they were at odds with Interscope on a couple of things. Um they held strong on one and I think it paid off. They they caved into the record on a second part which was a good move, obviously. And I'll explain why in a second. So the first one is, the first track on this record is an instrumental song called Mexican Hairless. It's a really cool song. Maybe we'll even play a little bit of it. But um, they were, you know, the record label was like, are you sure you want to start with an instrumental, you know? What if people like listen and they're like, <laughs> some guy was like, they were saying that one of the record people were like, what if they think that they like got, got a defected defective recorders like that and they thought that they got some weird print of the cd where the vocal track was turned off yeah because that's how it works it's like nobody's that dumb dude i would have been like there's the door dude don't ever come back basically they, one of the guys in the documentary one of the bandmates was like you know the record label's like are you guys sure you want to do this and we we're like yeah that's what we want to do <laughs> and they did it but anyway they were they were influenced by uh, this band called reverend horton heat which i've heard of but i've never really listened to them yeah me neither never got into them but anyway they had a an instrumental track i think that opened one of their records and they're like oh we want to do that that's really cool so uh you know what? why don't we just play a little bit it's only a, like a minute 49 but this is how the record starts so i'm you know usually we try to play the songs in record order but you know hey why not let's play a little bit of mexican hairless hate when this happens dude i hate when this happens what what they left the vocals out on this copy dude i, I know you know defective, what defective man god i might as well just throw this in the trash yeah how many people do you think said that zero it's gotta be zero <laughs> it has to be but anyway i personally i i love that i love it when a band starts with an instrumental like that or um and i can't it's like i can name off examples of that in my head but i know that, that <laughs> that's not unique right I think what it does is like it, especially when it's nice and short like that, it it sort of sets the tone. It eases you into the record. And then it hits right into Mr. Love, which was a single. And I love when bands uh, defy orders from their record labels. Yeah, exactly. It almost always ends up well. Yeah. Now, like I was saying, the other thing where they actually took the advice of the record label was that they didn't want to put Possum Kingdom on the record because they are in their minds it was like that was on the ep and it was also on this other tape that we put out so in their minds they were like like our listeners don't want to hear possum kingdom on another record they were thinking too like again they were thinking we're not this isn't gonna go anywhere like so they were this is just something we're gonna be able to sell at our shows in fort worth or when we go on tour basically like the way that todd lewis put it the lead singer was like Actually, I'm going to try to quote him. I'm going to find the quote. Hold on. So it's like he was trying, he was thinking more about his current fans rather than like. Exactly. They weren't thinking he, like big because yeah. they didn't think that anything would happen. So they basically, here's him talking about this. He says, I thought we'll do the record. The label has to put it out contractually, they have <laughs> to put us on tour contractually. And then they'll realize we tricked them into signing us. We'd get dropped at some point, and I'd go back to working in the record store. I'd already talked to my boss and told him I'd be back to work in a year or so. That is classic imposter syndrome, dude. Right? Yeah, exactly. Straight up. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. But anyway, so they weren't thinking about like, oh, the rest of the country hasn't heard Possum Kingdom before. Right. But anyway, Possum Kingdom is what put them on the map. So Possum Kingdom starts to get uh, radio play in the LA radio station, um, K-Rock. And uh, you sort of, as they said, like, you know, apparently with K-Rock, it's like, if you get play Airplay on K Rock, at least back then, every other alternate station in the country, alternative station in the country would would pick it up and play it, and that's basically what happened. Uh, but yeah, so actual proper credit needs to go to this the DJ in Florida. I didn't mention. Uh, I'm, I'm reading back on this. Like it, it made its way to K Rock, and that's when it took off. But apparently, a, a DJ in Florida got his hands on Rubberneck and started playing every track on the record on a daily basis cool so apparently back then djs could play whatever they wanted to play and like that's kind of sometimes how it happened like organically like that let's take a quick break all right let's get to the next track here this song i I love the the explanation behind the lyrics for this song so i'm gonna let the uh, lead singer talk about it again here so this is a song called "Happy Face."
1: Happy Face is kind of just an ambiguous "fuck you" to <laughs> to, to glib people. <laughs> I've got no real, no real good story there. I, I, I just, there's a lot of uh, uh, animosity in my life at that time, so uh, people that smiled kind of bugged me. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. <laughs> Wait, basically he wrote a
0: song called "Happy Face" because people who smiled bugged the shit out of him back then. So <laughs> I don't know what the word glib means. I don't know if I've ever. Let's look it up together, Q. Yeah, let's learn a word together. Uh, you know, I could. I mean, I can use. Clues. I can use context clues. Yeah, uh, but... glib. When um, for those in the audience who are you know didn't take the SATs like me, they are uh, shallow, shallow people. Q insincere and shallow so fake people fake happy faces just walking around smiling that's a good vocab just, word dude they're fucking fake i like you know I mean. it yeah all right so let's listen to uh, todd lewis's message to these glib shallow people walking around back in the 90s this song is called happy face I just picture him, like, just wailing on a boxing bag while he's in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's just a little guy, too, man. I mean, I'm a little dude. You I know, mean, I'm a skinny kid. Sure. Uh, still. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. So, it's funny to picture this, like, you know, maybe he was picked on when he was a kid or something like that. He so he's like, no, oh, son of a bitch. I'll fucking end you, you happy face. You know what I mean? Like, walking around, getting pissed. Why don't you turn that... As a little... Turn that uh damn it <laughs> turn that <laughs> turn that smile upside down
1: because um, <laughs> <I was> gonna... <laughs> they're smiling
0: already dude uh so like in those moments where he's you know really sh- screaming and uh you know he shifts it to that next level that's the heavy sound of grunge there man that's like more yeah well i was gonna say it kind of reminds me of like chris cornell a little bit yeah of some, like, that's what i was thinking uh, that register that he would hit um but yeah uh, I I just uh, yeah, I love some of these lyrics, man. If I could find the will to kill, that's like classic grunge stuff right there, dude. Yeah. Um, I'll try to wish you away, but I'll do more than wishing someday. Classic, like, you know, lyric. I feel like grunge lyrics a lot of times were, you know, you think about. I mean, obviously Jeremy from Pearl Jam was talking about the kid who walked into class and shot up the classroom, right? Well, this sounds like just scribbling down thoughts running through your head in in like your your journal or your diary, you know what I mean, yeah, but I mean a lot of times they they you know grunge lyrics, they just straight up say it they're like i'm gonna i'm gonna do more than wishing someday I'm gonna kill you basically, like if I could find the the will to kill, he doesn't write it out, but he would say, "I fucking will <laughs> that's basically what he's saying, uh all right, I got one more song for us, and this one is gonna you know shake things up a little bit it's gonna the 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 tempo is gonna change It's gonna be a little bit softer but i really love the delivery of this song and this is the very last song on the record so it's a it's a good way to close a record uh so again now this one is a little bit more of an explanation behind the lyrics by by todd it's not just him being like "Eh, i just didn't like people who smiled at me this one's got a little bit more of a story to it so uh this is called i burn and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him tell us the story here.
1: Let's see. Let me back up. I was dating a girl, and um, I had this dream that she had invited me to a party. So I'm gonna go to this party. I'm walking down the street, and as I get closer to the party, there's a mailbox on fire. Then there's a trash can on fire, and then eventually there's just whole houses engulfed in flames and. So I'm getting closer to the party, and I get to this house, and I kind of walk around the back where the party is, and it's all these people jumping around and dancing around. There's music, there's drums, and there's a giant bonfire, and one by one, these people are throwing themselves into the
0: fire. What? Hang on now. So,
1: he's, yeah, he's, he's this is a dream
0: where, where, like, he Dude, just... I Dude, missed, I missed that <laughs> part. <laughs> so you thought he was, like, walking into, like, a suicide attack yes! or something like that? <laughs> no, no. Um, oh man! Okay. Yeah. So he was describing a dream that he was having. That's that's a nightmare, man. But yeah, you want to talk about your subconscious being like, do not go to any parties in the next. Don't go to any parties. and or, yeah. don't jump into any flames. Stay away from open flames. Fire hurts us. Fire hurts us. So he's having a dream where he's walking to this party and like he's getting closer to the party and like the mailbox is on fire. Like all these things are on fire. Like he gets to the house, the whole house is on fire, and then he walks around back, and people are just tossing themselves into this fire. It's a really cool imagery. Like, yeah, and like talk about your subconscious telling you something. But anyway, let's listen to the song here. This is called "I Burn." man that was intense the lyrics are great yeah man um lots of imagery in there. immediately reminded me of the um buddhist monks that set themselves on fire during the vietnam war i don't know if it was the same kind of deal with what he was writing about but uh his lyrics were sounding more like it was a what a sweet poetic way to to die yeah become the flame kind of thing yeah it was i don't think it was a, a protest song necessarily but so you're talking about the picture that uh, was on the self-titled record from rage against machine the rage yeah that's the picture i was thinking of yeah. that that famous famous photo yeah dude but yeah um well speaking of like monks monks and religion and shit like one of the one of the lyrics is like uh which which i thought stood out to me because i know a little bit about uh todd's todd listen to me yeah first name basis um <laughs> uh, yeah todd's um upbringing he says um feel the lick of bad religion the finish and the start Mm. in the beginning we were smarter and the flame was heaven sent through the ages we got stupid now we must repent i thought that was pretty interesting so apparently like he was raised in um tyler texas which is you know the name on the of that song tyler is about tyler as in tyler texas um East Texas. So, like, you know, super religious upbringing. Like, his his dad was a very religious person. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised that he thinks about, like, themes of a religion and stuff like that. The funny thing is I Come From the Water, which is another song on this record, which is about, like, what do you think it is? Like, evolution coming out of the water kind of stuff. Apparently, his dad, although he was super religious, was a Christian who believed in evolution. So, like, he was taught evolution despite having a strict religious upbringing but i come from the water is about you know flopping up onto the shore as a fish or whatever <laughs> yeah right walking around uh, but let's play a little bit from that song actually because i said i would earlier just as one final thing just so you can hear some of that like texas boogie zz top type sound that they yeah, would bring yeah, let's hear it yeah let's just listen to this real quick all we got to do really is listen to the intro to hear it but this is a song called i come from the water One, two, three, <laughs>
1: From the water. I come from the water. Yeah. I come from the water.
0: That weren't no easy thing. It's more nature. It's like- Dude, that's some straight up Chris Ballou president stuff right there, man. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Even the lyrics, too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, to the point that like the the Interscope AR guy, um, what he saw in them when he heard their demo back in the day was like they're doing some unique things they're doing grunge type stuff but then they're throwing in things like this and like you know as as they've been described they are distinctly grunge and distinctly texan nice and that's this sound here so like nirvana wasn't doing this right texas grunge dude right exactly so that's and you know obviously zz top zz top i think is from are they from fort worth too i think that sounds right man Uh, yeah i think they're from fort worth i I know they're from texas obviously houston houston (laughs) anyway um so after rubberneck came out they got their success they were on mtv um they toured they opened for a bunch of bands like um they go through the roster here but they opened for like radiohead stuff like that they actually i want to say they went on They claimed that they went on after Radiohead during some sort of music festival. And they were like, that was crazy to us that we, you know, here here we are. So, see, I mean, exactly like what Todd Lewis, the lead singer, was saying, like, yeah, we'll put the record out, like, we'll go on tour and then I'll just be back at the record shop. So, yeah, yeah, it was playing out exactly like he thought it was. It wasn't going anywhere when it first came out because the record company wasn't putting any resources behind it. Apparently, they weren't which I think we've heard stories like that before in some of our... All the time, Some of our episodes where it's like... It happened to Spoon. Yeah, exactly, because apparently they were putting all their resources toward other bands that were, like, already taking off and, like, that they felt had more mass appeal and stuff like that. That's the agony of Lafitte, man. Right, exactly. So, anyway, according to... Like, this was going exactly as Lewis thought it would play out, but then they got some radio play and that's what did it. So, like, anyway, they go on to, you know... Play with bands like Foo Fighters, Sonic Youth, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and like they were saying, Radiohead. So, like, they saw their moment. And then when they go to put out their next record, which was called Feelers, I like, now, now to me, I don't, I I guess this wasn't in the contract or something like that, but Interscope rejected it, which I thought was weird because, like, I guess I've never really heard of that happening before. We're like, the band's like, hey, here's our next record. And the label's like, nah, it's all right you know what i mean well i wonder what kind of contract they had signed originally because usually right i guess it wasn't in the contract yeah that, but, okay um, maybe it was just one con- one cd and then we'll go from there kind of thing my my guess is that grunge had already passed so nah. the interscope was probably like we gotta search for these new metal bands let's find let's sign our own corn you know what i mean we gotta find <laughs> the next corn and toadies were like you know probably not you know doing the music that they do and then that was it right so anyway They put out this record in two thousand one called Hell Below Stars Above with some of the stuff from the Feelers session that they that they did for the second record. But long story short, like the band sort of slowly fell apart after that. So uh, you know, two thousand one, like rock music had shifted again already. You know, big time, big time. But um, anyway, Todd Lewis, uh, he reassembled the band five years later. And then they've been active ever since. So they put out lots of stuff, Um, but basically, it, it it sounds like they just like with presidents, they came out at the perfect time to put out that sound. They had that moment, you know. They wrote it. They wrote that wave, and then they crashed, if you will. And then, basically, as Todd Lewis puts it. He's been going on ever since. Ever since they reassembled the band in like two thousand five or whatever, they're on album number seven. Or at least when this interview came out, this was an interview. Um, I guess this would have been shit twenty five. So that I'm reading an interview from um, Fort Worth, a Fort Worth magazine, twenty five years after. So twenty nineteen. So okay, not too long ago. So this this interview was um, a couple of years ago. But he was saying that you know they're on their seventh album. And, as far as he's concerned, he just wants to have fun putting out music and then having people show up and listen to it and I think they've been doing that ever since right but anyway um i haven't I've never listened to any of their other stuff. It's kind of like presidents it's like i got I have rubberneck I don't know if I need anything else, which I know is like a shitty thing to say you don't want to spoil it right, but it's kind of a shitty thing to say it is um you got you gotta give a, a band... The chance to evolve. I mean, right. Yeah. But you know, anyway. So, yeah, that's that. They put out this record, Rubberneck, that is just this fucking amazing rock record. And if you haven't listened to all the way through, Quentin, <laughs> uh, you should go back and listen to it. Hey man, I need um, that. I'm looking at the grass in my backyard right now, dude. It's getting long again. So. So so you you like to queue up a record when you're mowing that lawn? Of course. But how long does it take you to mow the lawn, dude? Well, I got to do front and back. Okay. Uh dude, I can get we're talking an hour here. I could probably get at least two albums in. Okay. Well, this record's Maybe 36 three. minutes long. So, I think you got time. Anyway, Possum Kingdom and Tyler are just classic 90s rock songs, man. Those you want to talk about nostalgia. They're up there with with uh Peaches and Lump. Yes, I would say so. And in uh, some of those other iconic songs for me at least that i associate with the 90s and 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 the nostalgia i have to the 90s rock music yeah me too it's tyler and possum Kingdom. tyler especially i fucking love tyler it's a creepy ass song the lyrics are about this guy apparently there's this guy going around east texas like peeping into windows and shit and he wrote the song from the perspective of that guy like what would it be like to be in this guy's head that's when you listen to the lyrics of Tyler, it's like... It's like Midnight Creeper. Remember that Eagles of it Death is, dude. Metal song? That's exactly what I thought of <laughs> the other day when I was... It's exactly like There's Midnight... There's nothing we should, as creepy as that song. Man. I, it is a creepy song. We should have it close us out just for grins. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Uh, all right. Well, that's we're talking about Eagles of Death Metal. It's a song called Midnight Creeper. What a random song to close <laughs> off, but we'll, we'll do it. What the hell? Why not? Anyway, if you listen to Tyler and you listen to the lyrics, he's singing about this guy who is peeping and creeping in, in uh, <laughs> East Texas, looking through people's windows and stuff. It's peeping and midnight creeping. Peeping and creeping. What would happen if he actually climbed through the window kind of thing? And that's what the song is about. Uh, anyway, like I said, there's a lot of grunge songs back then were about this kind of darker stuff, right? Yeah. Really dark. So, that's it, man. That's our look at Rubberneck, one of my favorite records from the 90s. And um yeah like i said go listen to the record if you haven't already if you've only listened to the singles before uh hopefully you liked the three songs i brought to the table here these were not singles like i said there's like five singles on this record so that just tells you how many great songs are on here because i think the songs i brought were pretty damn great yeah i mean for shit I'm, i mean if you think about it, i played mexican hairless and i played i come from the water those are two other non-singles on the record so anyway uh, the the singles are bangers, dude. Mister Love, Backslider, Possum Kingdom, Backslider again is about he was, basically he was uh baptized. When he was baptized, his dad was like warning him, you know, do not uh fall, you know, stay strong, don't become a backslider, and that's what the song's about. Stay strong in your faith. Yeah, he's like, why don't you stop smiling at me? I'm going to write a song about you called Happy Face. <laughs> All right. That's it, Q. Um, well, hey, dude. We got something that interesting that happened to us a couple weeks ago we should talk about. That's right. And that's the funny thing is um, I want to keep the entire track in for I Burn. Well. We'll see if we end up fading it or not. But, yeah, speaking of playing fully, full-length songs, we got the SmackDown, Q. So if you happen to be, like, I don't know, scrolling through our old episodes – Just playing random stuff. Like you do with podcasts sometimes. And you're going, huh. That's weird. They were talking about doing a top 10 of the 2010s episode. I just finished the 2019 recap. But it looks like they go straight from that into Paul McCartney Unplugged. Where's the episode in between? I got removed. From Universal. They did not like that we played the entirety of... The Less I Know, The Better, by Mr. Kevin Parker, a.k.a. Tame Impala. Now, it's also worth noting that that's only on Spotify. You can still listen to it on iTunes and probably some other platforms. But Spotify um, yanked it uh, from from their feeds because Universal Media Group said, you better pay up if you're going to (laughs) play Tame Impala's music. So (laughs) So our first official cease and desist – i'm shocked it didn't happen earlier dude yeah but i mean we don't usually play we don't play singles and we don't play full-length songs typically typically and you know a lot of the music we play is a little bit more obscure but dude i need more not always i need more than 10 fingers i feel like to count the number of songs that we have played all the way through on this
2: yeah i mean we've been doing this
0: for three years so right right i mean record labels aren't gonna you know spend their effort on some of the stuff that we play but on the one episode where we said hey let's play singles cuz we're talking about the best of the decade yeah our best of the decade list and let's play and i don't know if we played every every uh like a full length track for every oh, song we on didn't. that episode There's no way we did but for whatever reason we decided to do it for Tame Impala which is arguably one of the that's a song that would get taken down he's the biggest episode that would he's the biggest artist to come out in the last 10 years i feel like one of them one of yeah one of them for sure so anyway not surprising that we got the smackdown but um i think what we're gonna do is re-upload the episode but just take out that song maybe i'm gonna try to Um, i'm gonna try to put it back in but fade it out and see what happens well But they've already warned us once, dude. I don't know. No, let's yeah, let's just take it out. <laughs> we'll play nice. We don't want Spotify to send its goons knocking on our door here. But um yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen too often. I don't think Interscope's gonna be like, Hey, you're playing that song from Toadie's the last track all the way through. Like they're not gonna give a shit about IBURN. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And if they do, then we'll fade it out. But we're gonna play it all the way through. I, think. I mean, it's, it's universal. Sometimes you gotta hear that whole damn song. It's man. funny that of of all the 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 record labels that give a shit, dude. Of course, Universal's why, got some cash, man. Exactly. Why do they care? Mm, they got. I still think gotta, we should reach out to Kevin Parker <laughs> and see if he responds. He would probably get his lawyer to respond. Cute. Well, you never know. Maybe not. I would like to think that Kevin Parker is just, you know, he's just a guy like us. Yeah. You know what, Q? He puts his pants on one leg at a time, too. I think like he uses do. his trouser maidens to pull them up for him. The less I know, the better about that <laughs> subject. All right. Well, that's that. We got, you know, I feel like we've arrived, Q. If, if, if we've, we've, We've garnered the attention of Universal Media Group. I think that means we're doing something. It right. seems like you it's know? a uh, rite of passage for podcasters. It's a badge of honor, yeah, especially for for music podcasters like us. I mean, that's right. Anyway, um, so yeah, next week I think it's time for another what you heard episode, Mike. Right, it's time. Yeah, we're we're trying to to have one what you heard per month, like calendar month. Yeah. So, yeah, it's time for another What You Heard next week. I think we're going to stay in the 90s when we return from our What You Heard. Because uh, like we've said, we could stay in this decade forever. Um, but I think, I don't know if it's time or not. Oh, actually, we have a, we do have our idea, don't we? Okay. We're not going to, we'll, we'll reveal this next week. But we've got a, a sort of a fun idea for a 90s rock episode. Oh, yeah, this is um, going to be awesome. It's going to be a little bit different, but not not something that we haven't, done before we've done something similar we did a few episodes like this and uh we enjoyed doing it so we're gonna do it again but we'll give you guys more details on that next week in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at no filler podcast reach out to us um give us ideas for albums you'd like us to talk about send us a song that you've been listening to and we may feature it on a what you heard episode you know what? Have our listeners been listening to? What have y'all been? Maybe that'll of? be a new. Maybe that'll be a new segment if we get enough tunes send in. Send in to us. There's a podcast that I've been listening to for years. I'm not going to say the name. You know what it is, Q. They used to close their episodes with songs submitted by listeners. And these were usually like songs that these guy that these listeners like recorded themselves, like bands. So usually it was shit music, but it was still cool because it was like submitted content from the listeners you yeah know, that's cool but anyway well apparently people listen to us so all i'm hearing apparently are crickets man i still that's all i hear crickets reach out to us because like we know you're out there listening right now so talk to us you know we'd love to hear from you tell us what you've been listening to tell us what you hate tell us what you love about the show and we will probably interact with you on twitter oh we definitely will man yeah just just talk to us you know what i mean We'll be nice to you. We may even talk about you on the show, you know, depending on what you say. I mean, I know that that's all you want in life is to be talked about on your favorite music podcast. No filler. You can make that happen today. It's just th- by tweeting three easy payments of nine ninety nine. Free shipping if you act now. <laughs> all right. So that's that. Next week, um, we'll do our What You Heard episode for April. Yes. Which is always a blast. Did we mention Pantheon? Nope. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the home of the music podcasts queue. If you like our show, there's a pretty, pretty good chance that you'll find several other shows on our network that you will love. It is the home of nothing but music podcasts. So if you like content like ours... Go over to PantheonPodcast.com. We've got tons of shows on that network. I feel like we're adding new ones every day. We're over 60 now, man. That's insane. Yeah. And like, there's a show for everything. So. It really is. No joke. Yeah, check it out. PantheonPodcast.com. And we would also like to thank our sponsors, AKG by Harmon. Quentin is rocking an AKG microphone and headphone set right now. It's the Podcaster's Essentials Kit. That's why he sounds so velvety smooth right now and why I sound so velvety smooth in his ears because he's got those headphones on. So, yeah, if you want to be a podcaster like us or, you know, start your own YouTube channel or... Or like you said a few weeks ago, Chab, if you want to sound better than your dopey coworkers... Yeah. During if you the wanna, next meeting... Exactly. There's plenty of reasons to have a good pair of microphones and headphones on. But, you know, it's called the Podcaster's Essentials Kit. It's perfect for podcasting. So... Anyway, that's the Podcasters Essentials Kit by AKG. Check it out. Go get your yourself a kit. Start creating content. All right. That's that. That's all we got for this week. We will talk at you guys next week. My name is Travis. And I'm Quentin. Y'all take care.
1: Well, I'm coming through your window. I see